Charlotte Henry discusses privacy and the right to be anonymous. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Headspace. Meditation made simple. Visit headspace.com slash macvoices for a free one-month trial. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is part two in a two-part conversation with Charlotte Henry. This part was actually recorded before the one we aired yesterday, but we had some technical difficulties and had to scrap part of it. But we kept the the best part of that interview. That's what you're going to hear now. Yesterday, Charlotte and I started to record just the intro to that and ended up having a whole different conversation. So enjoy this. I think this this is Charlotte and I had a lot of fun with it, but it raises some important thoughts, things that you probably should think about a little bit. Let's go back and let Charlotte do the talking. So when I read this article, I thought immediately of Charlotte, and I thought, we, we've got to discuss this. Um, the article is entitled, and it's on um, Vice, at vice.com, and I'll have a link in the show notes to make it easier for you to find. But it's Bored Apes, BuzzFeed, and the Battle for the Future of the Internet, which sounds so you saw, quite dramatic. you saw some apes. Yeah, you saw some apes and thought of me. Thanks. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I wow. didn't think of you for the apes, but the, the whole Bored Apes thing, uh, the Bored Apes Club and uh-huh. NFTs and all. But this article is largely about the the fact that the identity of the Bored Apes, Bored Apes Club was revealed um, publicly mm. on by BuzzFeed. And the amount of kickback that that has caused, uh, you know, BuzzFeed and the general NFT community in general. Um, and so I'm kind of kind of anxious to hear your take on this um, as to whether it's acceptable to uh, to re- to out somebody um, who hides behind or uses an alias for things like NFT uh, transactions or mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, we were saying off air, and I think, I you know, I stick to it on air, that there's no right or wrong in something like this. It is, it's a kind of murky, messy area, I would say. Um, you know, there's always been people who have wanted to do, let's use the broad term, art, and me, you know, media more generally in an anonymous way. I'm thinking of the British graffiti artist Banksy to, you know, musicians that have performed anonymously and so on and so forth. Um, and that's fine. That you know, people are perfectly entitled to and should we have the right to protect their anonymity. Obviously, one part of this kind of broad web three world is anonymity and decentralization and you have that ability for those transactions as well. So I can see why this is murky. I you won't be surprised. No, I kind of tend to lean towards um, the jur- backing the journalist who's a, a reporter called Katie Natopoulos um, at BuzzFeed, who found out the names of two of these people um, who had used pseudonyms before to run the Ape Yacht Club, the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT collection. I kind of part of the reason I don't think it's such a heinous crime that their names have been revealed is because obviously the Board Ape Yacht Club has been quite a big part of the whole NFT story. So I think you can make a fairly reasonable public interest argument in favour of knowing who is behind them. 
okay, that's uh, uh, darn. I'm not sure I can argue with that aspect of it. Um, because you and I had a pretty good disagreement a while back on on an mm. episode of this about whether or not, um, and we ended up having to, you know, just agree to disagree, um, that you as a journalist are always trying to look for inside information and for scoops. And I'm not a journalist. And so I look at something as, and, and well, let's, let's use Media Plus as an example, that if I found out that, oh, Media Plus is going independent, I've got a scoop. And so I, I put that out through my news outlet, whatever my news outlet happened to be, I have scooped your announcement. And I've never felt that was really good. Because it's it's your project, it's up to you to choose when sure. and how to reveal it. And as a journalist, you felt no, there's the people have a right to know, and so you would go ahead and do that scoop. And that's where and, and you said you started out by saying something really great, and this is a muddy, murky mess, because we also talk so much about privacy and you know how we're trying to maintain everyone's privacy, and you know. They, whoever they is, know way too much mm. about all of us. And yet here mm. are a couple guys whose names were up to this point unknown in the NFT world except for their pseudonyms. And now everybody knows about it. There's another part of this. There's a couple of parts of this. Um, and the response to the names emerging, I think, is something worth unpacking. So one part, the cynical part of me, is that if you were these people, you would not be too disheartened that your names are out there and have become a very publicized thing because it just adds to more of the story and the free PR around your product and the, the products you are trying to sell. That's my slightly cynical take on it, that actually the names being out there has not caused any harm i may be wrong you know maybe people will be able to point to some kind of harm but i don't think so it feels to me like um actually it's just more publicity for the board eight yacht club nft collection um the other thing i think the response and this is a huge you know the crypto bro uh cliche exists for a reason i think it's kind of emerged in this story is the pile on that this, uh, the jur- the BuzzFeed journalist who revealed these names was subjected to. Um, she was accused of doxing the, the two men. Um, I'm not convinced that's an appropriate expression. She revealed their names. She didn't put their bank details and home addresses and all the rest of it out into the ether. Um, and people were very vicious, used language that I wouldn't dare to use on a family show such as Mac Voices. Um, to attack her and threaten her. And as I was reading that Vice article and unpacking the story, to me it just felt, I was trying to imagine would a male journalist who had done this receive such vitriol and such viciousness using, uh, to I'll be blunt with you, quite sexually violent language in some occasions. Um, and I'm not convinced that would have happened. And I think that's, pretty vile actually and i think that is an element that can't be uh looked over whether you th- even if you think she was wrong to have this information and reveal it publicly the response is i think disproportionate and pretty vicious and vile um there was also talk you know of kind of people were talking about 
threatening uh, to take over Buzz, you know, use NFT money to take over BuzzFeed, weren't they? And kind of talking about the Hulk Hogan type case, which obviously um, involved money from Peter Thiel and so on and so forth, and, and ultimately finished Gorka, didn't it, that, the Hulk Hogan case. Uh, and there was, so there, there was all of this going on as well, which I think is really unsavory to a journalist who most people would say, a journalist who has just done her job. You know, she didn't just randomly put this on the internet. That would have gone through editors and other staff members as well, and I assume in this case lawyers. You know, there's a lot of layers of stuff that happens before most information is published. Um, so I think some of that got lost in just the kind of furious response as well to these names coming out. Wow. You know, there, there's a lot of things. First of all, I agree with you completely on the response to this being a female journalist. That's, that is, um, there's no way to defend that. That is not right. And that, I'm not sure you can go back and punish those people, but uh, that is that's just way out of bounds. Um, so, so at this at this point, from this point on, during the discussion, I want to make sure that any opinions I express have nothing to do with her being a female. It's just her being a journalist. Um, you've you've also brought up a point that I think a lot of people get lost um, because Buzz, Buzzfeed is not a small operation. Buzzfeed is a major organization, and as a result. You're right. They do have lawyers and they do have editors and they do have people vetting this information. And so, ah, you know, but at the same time, you know how it is. The the reporter whose name is on the byline is the one that's going to get the credit or the blame. That, just the way it is. Although the, the vitriol that was directed toward BuzzFeed um, also was kind of interesting. And I got a real kick out of the idea that, you know, this uh, there would be this um, – this radical group of people who would go in and just mm. try to take over BuzzFeed and kill it. Uh, and you mentioned well, the, Gawk, the Gawker I, thing. Yeah, that's that's a perfect example. And that's one, I, you know, some of the tweets included in that Motherboard article um, cited that, didn't they? They cited that case. Um, I think, yeah, I really don't like this idea of intimidating really anyone, but it obviously has particular pertinence in journalism this idea that people and it always affects women more could be kind of threatened into not do it, revealing something or not telling a story they think is valid and uh, to be and i think you know i can feel myself as we're having this discussion picking my words very carefully to try and you know to avoid try and avoid a similar pile on if you know for me stepping out of turn do you see what and i think that's quite a that's not a chilling effect we would really want in a kind of vibrant discourse because you know you and i can joke and laugh and you know happily agree to disagree on all sorts of things and agree on plenty of others and that's fine and healthy but you know when people are piling on and putting pressure on people to not write certain stories or put certain opinions out there that obviously is a different thing and you know quite can be quite intimidating and again i think affects women more always applied to women more yeah i i agree and that's and that's a darn shame because you know it's it's just not right any more than it's right to call out i mean somebody's sexuality somebody's race religion you know any of that 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 should have nothing to do unless you can objectively show that there's some bias because of that and that's all, all but impossible to prove 
you know, it, in my mind, it comes down to the judgment of the 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 journalist and her news outlet as to what what to put out or not put out there. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and I'm and and I would ask you, Charlotte, if you had come into possession of this information, if this was a beat that you covered, would you have felt? Um, not justified is not the right word, but would would you have felt it was okay to reveal this information? Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I think probably I would err to the side of yes. Um, I think, as I said, I think it must have gone through a number of rungs of editorial and legal checks at BuzzFeed to justify. I think, given the significance of the board art. Uh, Board Eight Yacht Club, um, in the world of NFTs, I think there is some validity in knowing who those people are. So yes, I imagine I would have if I had had as good a scoop as Katie Natopoulos did. Um, of course, this goes. There's another element to this, isn't there? That there's the whole, the whole of the kind of Web three origin, which, if you want to put, you know, chuck the beginning of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in there, is all shrouded in anonymity as well, isn't it? Because, of course, none of us know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, although I know plenty of journalists have tried and tried to reveal names. And I don't quite remember this level of fallout and aggression when journalists have done that before. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. It's, you know, I can't imagine there's anyone, any journalist in the world who would find out who Satoshi Nakamoto really is and not write that story with the, you know, including the relevant evidence. Wow. And I, and I, I found myself wanting to say, oh, absolutely. And then I step back and say, ah, you know what? Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question uh, because it's, it, he, they, whatever, have decided they want to remain anonymous. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, have, have we are, are we now in a society, Charlotte, where anonymity is no longer our choice? No, I don't think so, and I don't think we would like it to be that way. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons both you and I are huge fans of Apple products is the layers of privacy that they built into their products, increasingly so. Um and so I know that I, I don't think I was speaking out of turn to say that I know that that's something you value and it's certainly something I value. But I think if you are operating in a public sphere, which there can be no doubt these kind of things are, you know, people are always going to want to know the real people behind it and the reasons why. Right. But do they have a right to just because they want to? I mean, I want a lot of things that I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, it's I, the I right question. Um, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, again, it, with these things that are so influential, I mean, I think, again, Bitcoin is obviously a much bigger deal at the moment than the Board 8 Yacht Club, I would say. Um, you know, that's a real, people are doing really significant financial transactions there. But, you know, the NFTs, I, So I should have said right from the outset, actually, I'm deeply cynical about the whole NFT world. I don't really get it. I don't really see the value in such products. I haven't got on board with the whole thing at all. I think there's about one occasion where I can see. I'll tell you the one time I thought there was a value in it. uh, And I wrote this story back at the Mac Observer. It was uh, the first text message, Vodafone, I think it was, um, made an NFT 
of the first text message ever sent. Um, and that makes complete sense to me. That was a digital product you're preserving in a digital format. And that I can see why that would be valuable to someone. But a lot of this stuff, I'm afraid to say, I fear is just going to be a con. And I feel people are going to lose quite a lot of money from it. And be, some people will be put in hardship by this whole buzz. And I think there's no harm in knowing the people who might be responsible for that, if I can put it that way. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Headspace. Headspace is meditation made simple. If you're feeling hyper or tired or annoyed or just meh, it's time to connect with your feelings by starting your mental health journey with Headspace. Whether you want to relieve stress and anxiety, sleep better, or improve your focus, Headspace is your everyday dose of mindfulness. Headspace is scientifically proven to help you manage your feelings and your mental health. Not sure about how this all works or whether it would work for you? Let's find out together by doing one of their many meditations to help unwind. Right here, right now. Here we go. So either sitting down or lying down, just taking a big deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. As you breathe out, you can just gently close the eyes and just feeling the weight of the body pressing down, allowing any tension to release. Imagining the muscles in the body just switching off, relaxing, letting go of any tension. Just feeling the body sink deeper down to the seat or the surface beneath you. And you can either gently open the eyes again or just leave them shut now. Now, doesn't that feel better? And there's a lot more where that came from. However you are feeling, Try Headspace at headspace.com slash macvoices and get one month free of their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available, so go to headspace.com slash macvoices today. Headspace.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Headspace for their support of Mac Voices. I... I do not because accountability does matter. Like if you're se- if you're selling stuff and taking people's money, accountability does matter. I, I, and I can't say I disagree with you on any of that. I mean, I, I look at the NFTs. I know I, I, I watched a video with uh, by Gary Vaynerchuk saying, you know, that uh-huh. NFTs are, are the, your next big thing. And you know, if if you're saying you he's know, a huge man, yeah, yeah. Well, and and if you're saying you'll never own an NFT, then you know you're. He used a comparison, you know, that you would never upgrade your cell phone or some some crazy comparison like that. Mm-hmm. And and I've, I, but I'm with you. I, but also I'm one of those people that just doesn't see the value in having a book autographed, other than just maybe the chance. Oh, no, to, I strongly disagree with you. Well, see, if 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 I came to a book signing that you were you were signing a book, okay, the best I'm going to get because I've got 50 people or 500 people in line behind me hopefully 5,000 for your book, um, that, you know, I get to say, hey, Charlotte, great book, really appreciate the effort you put into it, you know, maybe express my opinion about a piece of the book, and then move on. And I've got your autograph. 
Okay. And so that encounter is, is why I would get the book signed. But if you were selling a book that, you know, just, you know, okay, you can get it off my website and I will autograph it. It's like, eh, that's great. But, you know, and I would, I might buy it from your website to make sure you got as much benefit out of the purchase as, as I could give you. Sure. On the other hand, if the book is available at my, at a local bookstore, if I still have a local bookstore, that's another discussion. Um, you know, then I might just go because it's much more convenient to go and pick it up or just pull it off of Amazon and it'll yeah. be here in a day or two. Uh, I've always, I like not, I enjoyed signing books for people that bought my book and I enjoy owning books that the author has signed. I think there is a nice mark and a nice element of personalization about it. But yes, I appreciate your point that you kind of, particularly if you go to a formal book signing, you're kind of participating for the interaction as much as the, the physical thing in the book but people have collected autographs for decades you know not just book signings you know sports stars all sorts of things so i i i think we would always own physical this is not where i thought the conversation was going to go actually but um <laughs> we will always like to own those kind of quote unquote unique things and by definition even if 500 people have a nut the same book as you signed by the same author just by virtue of having your name or something in it and that's it is unique i think people like that and i i know i as a consumer like those type of things um i should also say i don't dismiss the power of blockchain technology which i think is separate i think that can be a very powerful useful technology for good in lots of different fields um i'm not sure cryptocurrencies and nfts are the best use of that technology um well cryptocurrency is a whole different thing um and sure. that, that that may but be they get generally yeah you're right but they do generally get chucked into this whole world of web3 oh together. absolutely Absolutely, absolutely, and and here we go. The NFT thing, you know, is if that means something to you, then that means it has an intrinsic value that I can't appreciate. Um, but you know, I I also would not appreciate. I, I uh, several months ago now, I guess I was in a store in Massachusetts, and they had a a football signed by Tom Brady, and they were asking something like twelve hundred dollars for it, and it's like really. You know, I mean, I just okay. Plenty I, I of people that would pay that out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and yet, you know, it's like, uh, no, I'll take the one that has nobody's autograph on it. That's fine. So th that's my particular bent on it. But you're but, buying it for a different purpose, aren't you? If you want, and you're presumably buying a football with Tom Brady's autograph on it, not to play football with. Well, oh, I would think you'd be crazy if you did, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. staying in a nice glass cabinet somewhere, whereas a normal football you can pick up at a store you, to chuck around with your friends is a very different thing. Um, but, so, yeah, I again, but would you also feel uncomfortable about knowing the people that had, I don't know, organised... I'm thinking now, kind of trying to compare it to the NFT story that we were originally talking about. You know, what is the comparison between revealing the people behind a physical autograph product? You know, um, J.K. Rowling wrote under a pseudonym for a while, uh, wrote under the pseudonym Robert Galbraith. Obviously, again, it, it came out and people found out who 
the person writing these adult thriller novels was, um, as opposed to writing the children's uh, Harry Potter novels, which was cool. And, you know, as it happened, I think it probably... Yeah, anyway, people have used pseudonyms for a long time, and that's fine, and often people find out pseudonyms, and I don't think that's necessarily the world's biggest calamity when you find out. If you're operating pseudonymously um, in a very public way, and someone finds out that pseudonym. I, I have mixed feelings on that um, because I, the, the, in the case of Rowling, um, DC Fontana, who wrote for Star Trek for years and, and no one knew she was a woman, or at least it was a, it seemed to be a pretty well-kept secret. Uh, I mean, mm, well, Samuel. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. There's well, a reason why the Harry Potter books are authored by JK Rowling, not Joanne Rowling. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, even said, but even again, more, that's different to writing under a whole pseudonym, right? Which well, lots of authors of all sorts of genres have done, right? I mean, well, Mark Twain, you know, wrote a Samuel Clements, and so, or is it the other way around? Oh well. Anyway, the the point is that you know they made a decision for reasons of their own to mm-hmm. to brand their work with those particular names, and. To my way of thinking, it should be their right, at least up to, up to the point of their death, you know, and, and that, that too can uh, shade things a little bit. But it, it should be their right to be presented as they wished, as they decided, as they determined. And if somebody, if if I were suddenly writing, um, you know, thrower novels under, under a pseudonym, um, and I didn't want that revealed because, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, it could be, it might endanger my work, it uh, might my my employment sure. um or it might be just something that i really don't i'm not anxious to let anyone know that i'm an author or can write because then i might be pressed to do other things that should be my right and for somebody to come out and say i found out that you know you are um ah is you know is that an acceptable thing I really think it comes down, and I think there's, as like journalistically, there's a reasonable way to deal with something like that. If someone said, if you, presumably to go to someone and say, I found out you are this person, this pseudonym, this people running this NFT club, um, presumably you as a journalist have to go to them and give them a right to reply to that story. Uh, and they might give you a very legitimate reason why they don't want that out and why it will harm them to have that information out and as a responsible journalist you probably would then step back but i think you know as i say i can pretty confident that buzzfeed would have gone through pretty reasonable checks and balances to make this story stand up uh, and that it was in the public interest and there's lots of again lots of circumstances in which uh student people operating under pseudonyms who are public figures or having an influence on the public are you know their pseudonyms get revealed i i certainly don't think that is proportionate to the response that was received to this story and i also don't think actually and i was slightly guilty of doing this in my comments earlier i don't think it should get locked up in kind of individual privacy like the difference of between knowing you are the person running this very popular nft product is very different to mega corporation tracking where your phone is at any time and being able to distribute that information and sell it or 
mega corporation knowing which things you search for on the internet and being able to sell that vision. That's, that's a different type of privacy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, it almost feels like circumstantial privacy that, you know, and, and I, I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure I'm completely comfortable with what was done here uh, in the NFT uh, story, but I'm also mm. not completely sure that I'm uncomfortable with it. You know, I, I, yeah. I, def I definitely don't have the strong feelings that a lot of the commenters do. Um, right. And I'm not. I'm not quite sure that. I mean, the, the, you know, it's typical clickbait uh, headline. You know, the battle for the future of the internet. Well, all right. I mean, believe it or not, I'm gonna. I'm gonna point to to Facebook. Um, that you know, you. It's hard to have a pseudonym on Facebook. It's mm -hmm. not impossible, but it's you know they they discourage it, and it's it's hard to do. Um, and you know, more and more places seem to be less less happy with you being having a username of you know warlord 25 they want to know it's Ch chuck or charlotte and okay yeah. i there's there's some there's some you know there's some nefarious reasons behind some of that because you know that way they can target us as male female you know we can look up your age we sure. can, you know we can match up but at the same time there's a bit of accountability and anyone that listens to the show knows i'm big uh, on accountability yeah, and actually, I I agree with you on accountability, but I also, and this may again be slightly contradicting myself, but I feel in kind of normal day-to-day -day people, I think in some spaces on the internet, you do have a right for anonymity. And I think, so often when there's, I'm thinking back to the summer, for instance, there was a huge pile-on to some of the England soccer players who missed penalties in the Euro 2020 final, which was held in summer 2021. Um, huge, really horrible internet parlor, racism, just revolting. And one of the responses to that was that you should that really we should not have online anonymity. But really what they mean is you shouldn't just be able to make a random Twitter username and send abuse to people. Um uh, and while I think accountability is good and it's good that if you're horrible person sending horrible racism to someone that you should be held accountable for that there are also there's always a balance which is that there are lots of people who for example activists in you know different parts of the world with you know in difficult under difficult regimes may have to operate anonymously and exposing one of those people's names i would not be comfortable with and would condemn because you were, you're literally, you could literally be putting their lives at risk. Um, whereas something like the story we started with, you, again, you're taking people's money, you're asking them to trust you with the product. I don't think it's the worst in the world that people know who they're really giving their money to. And again, I I can see both sides. Uh, I guess my thing always would be, I, you know, I, I want the, I I want the choice. I also say that, yes, but you want the choice as a consumer. There's a reason people know who Chuck, the, who the the host of Mac Voices is. Well, but I've I've made that choice. I've made the choice to say, you know, this this is who I am, and this is what I do. Boy, for Chuck, your real name. Wow. <laughs> no, you act, are you actually operating under a pseudonym? Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, it's you know, it's possible. You the never game know. Game has really changed suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I mean, I thank you for coming on and, and discussing this because you've brought up no, some really interesting. It's, 
Well, you brought up some points that I honestly hadn't thought about. That, you know, the idea that there may be levels of privacy expectation um, as as you become, as anybody becomes a more of a public figure. And, you know, in the NFT world, I mean, that is such a burgeoning and crazy, unregulated world that, you know, maybe this is justified. Um and and also the the fact that there were, there had to be editors and lawyers that took, took a look at this before it it hit the the internet is another excellent, I mean, excellent I, point. Yeah, although I appreciate that there have been uh, some moments where people have questioned previous Budfeed editorial decisions, but anyway, it doesn't mean there aren't wrongs you have to go through. Um, so what we've learned, I, I think, really we ended up where we started, don't we? That really this is a quite messy, murky world. And actually, while I agree with you, the kind of idea of the battle for the future of the internet is quite self-aggrandizing and over the top. There is something quite fundamental about the kind of social brand versus privacy, decentralized type of internet that is quite fundamental or will be quite fundamental to how we use products coming going forward, isn't it? It's... It, 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 it's a world we're building. We're building it as it happens, and right. you know, I think right. that I think these kind of conversations are important, especially between two level-headed people who don't start screaming at each Where other. Well, <laughs> well, at least we didn't start screaming at each other. Maybe not. not, not never not level-headed. At you. <laughs> Charlotte, thanks for coming back and um, recording. You know, the, the the rest of this conversation, the first part. Um, that we we did yesterday, um, but I want to make sure that we let folks know uh, where they can follow up with you if they have thoughts or opinions on any of these issues. Yeah, um, please keep up with me at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. Um, all the new stuff I'm working on will get posted there as well, so please do be in touch. Great. Thanks so much, Charlotte. Thanks, thanks for your insight and wisdom. We don't always agree, and that's what kind of makes it fun. It'd be boring if we did. <laughs> exactly. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. I hope these uh, two shows have given you a little something to think about. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com